Hey everyone, this is Brian from the Tennis IQ Podcast. Josh and I hope that you are enjoying the content and discussions that we put out week after week. If you'd like to support the podcast and help us to continue to produce quality episodes, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash podcast slash membership. Currently, we have three tiers of support, the fan level at $3 per month, the supporter level at $7 per month, and the champion level at $20 per month. Benefits of joining the Tennis IQ podcast community include episode transcripts, participation in book club discussions, and access to monthly masterclasses with me and Josh. For more on these benefits of support, head on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash podcast slash membership. Thank you so much. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the Tennis IQ Podcast. I'm Josh Berger. And I'm Brian Lomax. And on today's episode, Josh and I are going to talk about building one's capacity to deal with frustration, to deal with uh, perhaps distressful emotions on the court, maybe even um, you know difficult circumstances. Sometimes that could even involve pain. Um, and it's really building this, this tolerance of these types of things. And looking at tolerance really almost as a as a capacity a capability that that can be improved and this came to mind for a couple of different reasons one was um uh an, an interview with Tony Nadal that I listened to talking about or uh, he was asked what you know what made Rafa or makes Rafa a little bit different than some of the other players on tour and he noted Rafa's ability to do difficult things for long periods of time without really complaining about it. And he gave a, just an example of something he would ask Rafa to do, something kind of difficult like 500 times. And, and Rafa felt like oh, he probably could do that. And then he would do it and he would be okay with doing more if, if asked and, and he wouldn't complain about it. And it was Tony's belief that you ask maybe your average player who would also believe he could do it 500 times but would most likely quit after 200 and it's that sort of tolerance of difficult things that has made rafa special in in tony's opinion and so um that made a lot of sense to me josh and you know and on a recent master class you showed a video you know from the nadal academy um with a question, you know, how does Rafa train mentally? And his his answer was, you know, you work mentally when you don't complain, when you don't complain about playing poorly or little aches and pains, and 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 instead, you you know, you change your attitude, change your body language, and you simply try to continue to practice with passion, and and you go out there and, and you do your thing, and and he felt like that was a one of the keys to his success and and the Tony Nadal interview really cemented that, that they're on the same page on that piece. So those things made me think a lot about tolerance and we've both read, you know, in a lot of the literature, the, the use of the word tolerance appears in resilience literature, mindfulness literature, stress management, uh, cognitive behavioral literature, et cetera, uh, self-compassion. And so it seemed like almost like a good like meta topic to bring out 
and, and talk about how does one improve the capacity for tolerance because it's a totally necessary component of mental performance in tennis. And so um, I wanted to get your thoughts on on the topic, and then we can start jumping into some ways of of helping players to develop this capacity. Yeah. So um, I think you know, first of all, I, I really like like this idea, uh, this this idea, this concept. Um, but I I do feel that it's an under under focused on you know a, a less focused on concept, and I, but I I do feel like that it's very important. And I feel that it's important to be able to tolerate all sorts of, you know, a, a number of different things. And I think you've touched on on that, you know, be able to touch to tolerate um, challenging emotions, be able to to tolerate distress, be able to tolerate those days where you're not playing so well, be able to tolerate maybe some gamesmanship or potentially cheating from an opponent, tolerate the wind and the sun and everything that you might experience during a match be able to you know there's the, the the physical piece in terms of pain and that sort of thing certainly um but I, th- I think yeah we can think about what are all the things that we want to be able to tolerate right maybe there is a certain line and we can discuss this where we don't want to go past that line right especially in the the physical side especially in terms of pain where if so you know if the pain is too much um or there's the risk of us you know making an injury worse then you know we want to be able to draw that line and and hold firm to that line but i think you know this this concept of tolerance really is a is a skill and is a as sort of a, a connects to a mindset that we want to be building where we're able to be resilient we're able to handle whatever sorts of situations a match throws at us, a practice throws at us, um, and be able to not only tolerate it, but, but handle that in a way that we'd like to. And I think it's, you know, I think we can use a lot of the different skills that, you know, that, that we've talked about in the past and maybe, maybe some others as well in terms of trying to build and develop that, that skill set to, you know, to, to increase our tolerance, because I think it, um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of, you know, sort of broader mindsets, but also more specific skills that, that we can use in terms of building this, this concept, this tool of tolerance, because I really, I, I would agree that it, it really is, you know, as important of a quality of a tennis player as, as just about anything. Absolutely. Um, because there will be pressure, there will be mistakes, and like you said, you know, sport gamesmanship and other things. These are these are normal things, but oftentimes players act as if the opposite should be normal. Like there should never be gamesmanship, there should never be mistakes, there should never be lost points, and and uh, you know, so there are obviously ways to to correct that that level of thinking and then learn to deal with these frustrations more so. Um, and so how about we look at, Josh, like some of the different approaches that one could take. We talk about each one of these topics and how they might contribute and, and how listeners can use aspects of these, uh, these more, you know, these broader topics to, to help with. So um, how about we start with resilience literature 
Um, and a big part of this is is the the challenge mindset, or really, as it's often phrased, like challenge appraisal. Because what happens is we go through a process of appraising the situation, and we can, you know, I don't know, it's it's as binary as it as it seems, but it's either generally you're seeing the situation as a challenge or you're seeing it as a threat. Um, there could be times where you see it as a threat first and you're able to m- m- get to a challenge, right? That's a good good piece. It could be some fluidity to that. Um, but obviously looking at something as a challenge can, can change your viewpoint on what's occurring. You're accepting it, right? So um, I know we've talked a lot about that in the past, but what's, you know, I'd like to hear you just your thoughts on challenge mindset, challenge appraisal with respect to tolerating difficult circumstances. Yeah, I, I would agree that it's that it's a necessary way of viewing a situation. I think if we're viewing a situation as a threat, um, we're we're essentially thinking about what do we what do I have to lose from this situation? Um, compared to a challenge or sort of opportunity mindset and way of looking at things where we can, you know, we can think about how, how can I benefit? How can I grow um, from the situation? How, you know, is this a situation where I can really try to rise to the occasion? Um, and I think it causes the exact opposite impact where it causes somebody more so to lean in, to lean into the situation rather than to sort of back away um, like a threat. So I, I think it it really is an important starting point here with this concept because um, really in, in every sort of situation, we have that choice. That is one of those things within our control, you know, whether we're viewing something as a challenge or something as, as a threat. And I, I think we can think about, you know, all different types of situations and can we sort of see it through that filter, right? If there's a, um, if we're playing the type of player that, maybe we don't like playing against, right? I, I hear all the time, and Brian, Brian, I assume you do too, right? Certain types of players, maybe, you know, people refer to players as pushers or, you know, retrievers or whatever. Um, and lots of players don't like playing that type of player. And maybe they get annoyed or some people say, oh, that's not real tennis, which I push back on certainly. But, <laughs> um, um, but you know, I, I think a lot of times people will maybe maybe avoid playing these matches, or they'll go in. You know, when they when they play a match like this, they'll they'll view it sort of through that threat filter. Like, okay, I you know I've lost to people like this in the past. I this could hurt my UTR. You know, what th- this would be embarrassing, or um, you know, I I based on based on my level of you know the, the level of player that I am I shouldn't be losing to somebody like this and I think for for a lot of people they're you know sort of seeing things through that filter and thinking about what could go wrong or how they could you know how this situation could hurt them where I think instead of seeing it through that threat filter um we we can see it through a challenge filter it's like all right how can how can I see this as a challenge how can I see this as an opportunity well I haven't liked playing this type of player in the past. I haven't played my best tennis in the past or had my best attitude against players like this in the past. Okay, this is an opportunity for me to improve on that, for me to play better tennis against this type of player that generally I don't, you know, 
enjoy playing against as much or bring out my best tennis at, you know, against as much. Um, this is a chance for me to work on that skill of playing, playing against this type of player. This is a chance for me to work on that skill of patience, especially against the counter puncher, pusher, or how, whatever we want to say. Um, this is a skill of, you know, this is a chance for me to maybe work on the skill of, you know, using some of these specific tactics that we can use against players like that, whether it's me coming up to net or bringing them up to net or being patient enough to wait one or two extra shots. So we're not making too many unforced errors from the baseline. Um, but, you know, I think if we can view it as an opportunity or or a challenge to work on things, to improve on things, to to be able to build on some of those key skills, um, then we're able to sort of lean in. We're able to sort of lean into the situation and be eager to play that match and to, you know, and, and to really embrace that situation rather than backing away from it. Yeah, and I think that allows you to go from problem-oriented thinking to solution-oriented thinking. And you alluded to something, Josh, that I think is important here, which is one's motivation. And if you're really wanting to be the best player you can be, you know, you can tap into this challenge as a means of helping with that. It's part of that, part of that journey. And so I think, uh, yes, by leaning into it, you accept the situation. Um, it can help you develop into being a better player. But by accepting it, you are now being able to move off of thinking about the problem and maybe creating a whole story around that problem. And now you're thinking about, all right, I've accepted it. Now I can I can start to think about what to do. Take some action. Maybe focus a little bit more on myself out here and what I can do. So I think that that challenge piece is really important, you know, from the resilience kind of literature. Um, another topic that uh, could also help people improve their capacity for tolerance here is is mindfulness. And I know mindfulness is a is a topic that you like to talk about, Josh. You know, and I think when we think about being mindful as tennis players, it's really um, understanding and being aware of how your own mind works and and being able to notice the thoughts that are there and 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 realize ones that are are helpful and others that are not helpful and and to be able to deal with those two things in um in proper ways and i think it's also a matter of uh understanding perhaps the context of tennis um in which playing, you know, and having difficult emotions is normal. Um, having some level of aches and pains is normal, as opposed to maybe other contexts in life. Um, so simply being able to be more mindful, um, to develop your capacity as a mindful person can certainly be ways of also improving your tolerance of, of distressful emotions and distressful thoughts uh simply by understanding how your mind works i think that i think that's a great point i think yeah being able to recognize that you know and even going back to this challenge or threat idea you know being able to recognize that oftentimes we will see things as a threat 
And it's that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's, you know, we're seeing things in that way to sort of protect ourselves, right? We're, we're trying to, you know, protect ourselves. And, and that might not be, you know, likely won't be physical protection, but more so maybe protecting something else. Maybe it's protecting our ego, right? Okay, I, I'm playing against this player today and really don't want to lose them because maybe that would hurt my ego or sort of hurt my image of myself as a as a certain type of player. So I want to avoid playing in this match because I'm trying to protect myself. Um, or, you know, maybe we're trying to protect ourselves in other ways. But I think, yeah, I think mindfulness is certainly a concept that we can apply to this. And I think it's, you know, can we bring more awareness to to to, to different areas? Can we bring awareness to the emotions that we're experiencing, the thoughts that we're having, you know, how are we viewing a situation? Um, you know, e- even something like pain, like physical pain, you know, can we, instead of letting that pain sort of just impact, impact everything, impact our thoughts, impact our emotions, impact sort of our general outlook, can we try to just observe the pain and just notice, notice the pain? Um, yeah, I, I think and maybe this is a bigger idea, but there's, you know, I, there's Sam Harris who has talked a lot about um, mindfulness and has a whole app um, devoted to it, waking up, um, talks about sort of the difference between, and maybe this is not exactly connected to to tennis necessarily, but I, th- I think it, it it has a connection in a certain way, but he talks about the difference between pain and suffering. And with the idea that pain is present right pain is in the present moment where okay i'm this is what i'm experiencing right now this is what i'm feeling um this is what's happening in this moment where suffering is sort of i guess we could say the app the application of that where it's like okay i'm feeling that pain and that is leading to the suffering that is leading to sort of me processing that pain and maybe feeling bad for myself and and again, that that's there's obviously plenty of situations where that would be, you know, totally understandable. But I, I think it's just, you know, when we can apply mindfulness to, you know, both emotional um, situations, you know, uh, the different types of emotions, distress, but also pain. It's I think it's a it's a helpful way of of looking at things because I think once we can bring more mindfulness or bring more awareness to these different situations. They be it becomes a lot easier to to handle because we can start to see things more objectively. We can start to see things more as they actually are, rather than maybe the spin that we're sort of putting on a situation and all the emotions that are going into it, and able to just sort of see the raw sensations, see the raw sensations, see the raw, you know, try to actually observe or notice the situation itself. And then I think once we can be aware of the situation itself, whether those are thoughts, emotions, physical sensations, whatever those are, then they're a lot easier to handle once we're actually able to, to, you know, observe non-judgmentally and sort of from an outsider's perspective, what's actually happening. Yeah. Cause when we're not mindful, what tends to happen is that you simply accept whatever comes up in your mind and you're not able to kind of interrogate it as being just a thought, not necessarily a fact or logical or, or whatever. 
right? So I think, yeah, just working on one's mindfulness can be another way of, of developing some capacity for, for tolerance. Um, you know, that might be a logical uh, step to looking at more like cognitive reframing and, and uh, developing different types of effective self-talk to help with some of these things, because uh, even, you just mentioned this, Josh, sometimes the thoughts that come up in our minds are, are don't make really a lot of sense. Maybe they're illogical, right? Um, and so there's a whole brand of cognitive behavioral therapy around um, looking at one's thoughts and trying to look at the rationality of them. So rational emotive behavior therapy, um, which can also use rational emotive imagery. We'll talk about what these are, are ways of getting players to understand some of their beliefs and attitudes towards some, some triggering or adversity that they're experiencing. Maybe it's like, you know, that difficult um, matchup that player, maybe I am supposed to be, maybe that's the bit of adversity. What are the beliefs and attitudes that come up there? Um, and, and starting to work on, on some of those because those beliefs and attitudes tend to have consequences in terms of behavior, in terms of emotions. And so the more that we understand about our own beliefs and attitudes and start to, to look at those um, in a more rational way, because ma- many of those beliefs could be irrational. They may not be true. They might also be more on sort of catastrophizing or awfulizing. Thanks. And um, in doing some research for today's episode, it came across a, a list of 15 kind of rational coping statements that were developed by a Chinese researcher working in, in table tennis. But I thought all of these were were good and really could have, uh, apply to tennis. Um, and so some of them are, I'll, I'll read a couple, uh, expect setbacks to be a normal part of competition while smoothness is an exception. Now, that's a very interesting one because I think many of us go into matches expecting to play well, and and then when it doesn't, we struggle with that. Um, let's see what's another one. Uh, let's see when confronting a strong and well prepared opponent, your preset target can never be carried out the exact way you plant. You have to adjust to different things. Um, you know, it might be hard to do the simple things well on any given day, right? Previous success might never be replicated in the way you expect. So a lot of these, I think, are dealing with perhaps some expectations that players, right? Beliefs, attitudes, expectations going in. And so this is a really good way, I think, of understanding, all right, what are my beliefs and attitudes when X occurs or I'm in situation Y. Um, are these things really true? And there are a good series of questions you can ask yourself about whether it's logical, whether it's true, whether it's helpful. And and then if you can start to develop some of your own coping statements around it and, and start to work with those in terms of your self-talk, uh, it can really help your your tolerance on uh, on some of these, you know, difficult situations and maybe some of the emotions, attitudes, beliefs that come up in those circumstances. I, I absolutely no, I think I think uh I think that 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 definitely makes sense. Um and I think 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, being able to apply some of the similar things to what, what you were saying with that, that um, researcher with table tennis, like I, I like the, you know, sort of the expectation that things will not always be smooth. It won't always be smooth sailing. It'll be, you know, things will come up, right? There will be, especially in the course of a, maybe a tennis match, right? Where you're playing whatever the situation is, maybe, maybe best of three sets. And you can expect to be, you know, that to take a little while. You can expect that there's going to be ups and downs. You can expect that you're going to make some great shots and miss some shots. And so will your opponent. You can expect to win and lose a lot of points. And I think if we can go in with the added, with the attitude that, you know, we can expect to have to handle adversity and maybe the adversity is us missing. Maybe it's, you know, bad line calls. Maybe it's, you know, gamesmanship. Maybe it's having to deal with the wind and the sun and some of these other factors. Then when they actually, when they, when they actually happen, they're a lot easier to handle where if we expect things to be smooth and then they're not, it it's a lot tougher to adjust in the moment and hopefully choose the right response. I think if we can expect that and we, then we can maybe talk about, you know, how to expect that, how to actually prepare for that adversity that we're likely to encounter. I mean, I think tools like visualization, I know you you um, mentioned that before, but I think something like visualization, can we visualize and mentally prepare for challenging, challenging situations in different ways that we can encounter? Um, you know, can we plan out how do I want to talk to myself? In those situations, can I maybe script it out? Can I just prepare? Okay, how do I want to talk to myself if I'm not playing so well? How do I want to talk to myself if I'm losing? How do I want to talk to myself if I disagree with the line call? How do I want to talk to myself if the weather is really making things challenging? Um, You know, and I think just being able to prepare for these things rather than just expecting that things are going to be smooth and seamless than you know, that then we will be more ready to tolerate all sorts of different types of situations that come out. But I, I really like those, um, the, 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 that quote in particular, and I'm sure, I'm sure there's, you know, a, a number of, of really powerful ones that, um, that, you know, people can maybe draw inspiration from and, and come up with their own. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, actually there's one other good one I wanted to share here, which was, uh, a sudden mental collapse might be caused by or might be caused because of the accumulation of tiny negative thoughts. Almost like a, a snowball kind of thing, right? And yeah. then it, you finally reach a, a tipping point. Um, and you mentioned the visualization piece, Josh, right? So um, part of the visualization would be also using these more rational types of statements, to help you deal with the situation, right? So when we talk about this type of visualization, yeah, really try to feel um, the emotion, right? The adverse, the difficult emotion of it. And then use, um, you know, your skills like breathing, bringing a more positive focus, bringing more rational statements to it and see yourself work through that situation. And so what does that do? Whenever you face it now on the court, you've almost like befriended that emotion a little bit more that so you've built some tolerance around it because it becomes more normal it's no longer something foreign to you 
So simply by bringing that emotion more into your imagery, again, you're kind of like befriending it. It make You're making it more normal. You know how to deal with it better. And then you can use these, these planned out self-talk um, statements or scripts to help you to help you get through that. Um, this particular article also had a, a good example of what we would call anti-awfulizing language. And it was from Nadal. And he had lost a, a difficult five-set match to somebody. And and uh, the journalist was asking about, you know, how he felt. Is he, is he really disappointed and, and all this other stuff. And he sort of more, more matter-of-factly just said, you know, it's not a tragedy. It's sport. This happens. Um, and so how's that? That's anti-awfulizing because this isn't a tragic thing in his life. This is just something that happened. This is a very normal part of a sport like tennis. And as Rafa has said in, in other interviews, you know, in a close match, somebody's got to win, somebody's got to lose. But for him, that personal satisfaction comes down to, you know, did I play with great attitude and did I do my very best to win the match? And, and that's that's really what he's looking for. The result, a little less in his control. And that's, that's not going to be tragic. That's just the nature of a sport like tennis. Somebody's got to win, somebody's got to lose in those, those difficult matches, right? And we, we're seeing that even with... Some recent matches where they're going to, you know, seven five, seven six on the third set. You know, you can't really say like this player's better than that player. It's just like, all right, you know, some things happened at the end of the match, and maybe they were a little bit better, or maybe they got a little bit lucky. But that's 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 tennis. You can do all the right things on a given day and still lose. Um, and so, understanding that that's how it works and that that's not awful, not a catastrophe, is an important way to to move on from some of these things right because it's tennis is is very hard as we all know because lots of people there's only one person at the end of the week who uh mm-hmm. is relatively happy right um so it's it's pretty normal um so i think there's maybe like one or two more things josh we could get into here in terms of building tolerance and i think the next one i wanted to talk about was uh self-compassion as a as a means of building some tolerance. So when you hear that that phrase, what comes to mind for you? I would say sort of an an understanding, um, an understanding of yourself, um, and and sort of a you know ra- rather than jumping to judgment, rather than jumping to criticism, um, you know, being accepting of you know, of, of who you are being accepting of, um, yeah, sort of the ups and downs and being realistic. Right. I, I th- when I think of self-compassion, I think of, you know, understanding that I'm not going to play perfectly. I'm not going to play my best every time I'm on the court. When I think of it, it you know, it, it's sort of that acceptance and that understanding that, you know, I will make mistakes that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not being too hard on yourself in any particular situation, but more so being patient, being maybe a little bit gentler and, you know, and, and giving yourself that space to, to make mistakes, to try things, to take risks, um, knowing that fundamentally you'll be all right at the end of it. And, and sort of, giving somebody, giving yourself the, the opportunity 
and sort of the, the freedom to to go forward and to take chances and to put yourself out there and to to see things as a challenge and and go for things sort of knowing that no matter what you're still fundamentally the same person um because you're not defined by one particular match or one particular situation so that th- those are some of the sort of the the initial things that that I start to think about yeah i think it's it's the ability to be kind to yourself and and difficult circumstances and i think it connects to a lot of things we've already discussed because when you get critical and judgmental where does your mind go it's it's staying stuck on problems it's complaining it's judging it never really takes responsibility for solutions and finding different ways of thinking and um one of the uh, sort of preeminent researchers in this field kristen neff has talked about how people who are more self-compassionate actually take more responsibility for correcting their mistakes than those who don't. Um, And, you know, so I think it's sometimes in our culture, um, we feel like we need to be tough, quote unquote, tough on ourselves. I don't know, that's sort of conventional wisdom. I don't think there's any research that supports that approach. but many of us sort of by default seem to to go there, right? While we would never speak to another person the same way we might speak to ourselves and we would probably not tolerate someone else speaking to us the way we're speaking to ourselves. And so uh, I remember seeing this video. It was like on basketball self-talk, Josh, and I think it was from Australia. And it was, it was kind of cool, but they had a lot of kind of Australian slang. But um, one of the things they said in there, it, it's, it's not soft to be kind to yourself. And I think that, again, in terms of like a coping statement, that's like the exact opposite of what we normally think. We think being kind to ourselves is being soft or letting ourselves off the hook and, and so forth. But in reality, what's happening is by being your own best friend out there and having maybe a shared understanding that I am trying to win this match. I am trying my best. I am trying to play with good attitude. Okay, that's all we can ask, right? So let's be kind of a united front in our own mind to deal with what we have here, right? To be kind to ourselves and to recognize what the important things are, right? The important things are what I can control. Can I be excellent at those things? This other stuff, it's a little bit out of my control. I don't need to be judgmental about not winning points or inevitably making mistakes or, or other things. So I think uh, the kinder that we can learn to be to ourselves in our own mind and you know less judgmental, less critical, um, then you're going to be able to, again, see these things for what they are and you'll be able to tolerate some of these emotions better. Absolutely. Yeah, once, and, and I, I think, yeah, it all sort of starts with that, that awareness piece, right? One, can I see things more as they actually are rather than constantly judging them, constantly bringing my emotions into them um, and sort of letting, letting that those emotions, letting that situation sort of impact how I see myself. Right. I think if we can have a, that, you know, more of a solid foundation and maybe security of, okay, the, you know, I, I'm secure in sort of, you know, who I am and the type of player that I am and, and all of that, it's a lot easier to handle those those frustrations, those 
you know, the those challenging sorts of situations and emotions that that may come up. Um, and I think, yeah, and I, I think we touched on this quickly, but, um, you know, being aware also of, you know, different ways we might be thinking about things like cognitive distortions, right? Can we be aware of, you know, the fact that maybe we're catastrophizing or maybe we're, um, you know, we're, we're, we're taking a simple situation and we're making it much worse through the way that we are viewing it. I think, you know, when we can be aware of that, then that also makes things, you know, it, it, it makes it more possible for us to, to turn things around because we've brought awareness to, to sort of the way that we're viewing different types of situations. So I, I would maybe add that in um, just as, you know, can we, and, and I, I think maybe this is an underlying theme here, but can we try to bring, um, you know, awareness, try to notice more different types of things? How am I viewing situations? What are the emotions? What are the the physical sensations, even with something like pain, right? Can I tolerate it? You know, I, I think sometimes with, with pain in particular, somebody feels the pain and then they think, okay, well, I won't be able to tolerate this forever. But you're tolerating it right now, right? As as you're experiencing that, you are tolerating it, right? You might not enjoy tolerating it, but you but you physically are in the moment. So I think sometimes we it's very easy to jump towards the future with some of these types of things and think about, you know, okay, you know, if 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 this existed forever, would would I be able to handle that or would I enjoy handling that? And the answer might be no. But I think instead, if we can manage to stay present with an emotion with a physical sensation um it's a lot easier to handle rather than constantly jumping towards the future and constantly you know thinking about well what if what if this never goes away or what if this gets worse and ultimately we never know the answers to that and we're just kind of guessing but i think if we can manage to stay more present um and just experience whatever's happening in that moment um it becomes a lot easier to to handle and to process and to tolerate those different types of things. Yeah. I think with pain, you know, there are different types of pain. Obviously there's some of that's more traumatic and maybe, yes, I need to stop, but I think you're talking about kind of the normal pain and maybe it gets a little bit more than usual, but the more that you kind of just familiarize yourself with it and, and, and experience it, not fight it, um, understand it, then it can help you to make some decisions about what you can and can't do with this particular situation and um yeah then you can kind of go on with it it's when you start to just you know ruminate on it more so and 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 wish it away or or just you know um be thinking too much about the the fact that it happened um rather than dealing with it yeah so that those are there are different ways of dealing with that and i think that's that's a good one you know to kind of again make friends with the pain while you're out there if you have decided to to continue, you know, and I think that's the big decision. If you decide to continue, then you have to then say, all right, this is the situation. All right, what am I going to do? What can I do? You know, and it, you can figure it out. And I'm sure every tennis player has a story in which they felt something, maybe just rolled their ankle or whatever, and maybe their footwork was a little bit compromised, but they're able to adjust and maybe even win the match because they problem solved their way through it um, and they accepted that they were going to play with this level of pain and it would be okay. Um, 
But yeah, that's uh, that's always a tougher one too, I think, Josh, because different people experience pain in different ways. And, and a lot of the pain tolerance stuff is comes from childhood where, you know, you're kind of taught what kinds of pains to tolerate and what kinds not to. Um, and so a lot of us are bringing that to the court later, later in life. So, um, but there are certainly ways of, of dealing with that. I think uh, as a good, maybe last topic that wraps everything up that we've been doing and talking about is the actual like pressure training, right? So kind of borrowing like from stress inoculation training, we take everything that we've talked about and now we actually go to the court and we, and we do some stuff, right? To um, maybe recreate, perhaps not to the exact level of pressure one might feel in a competition, but it seems from the research of most studies that that's okay. Um, just gaining more familiarity with some of these, this adversity and some of these pressures seems to help. Has positive benefits than, than no pressure training whatsoever. And I think, you know, in, a, in the context of tennis, just even having practice matches would be like a level of pressure training. Because I think it's very difficult to go from clinics and lessons straight to playing tournaments without having sort of that buffer in between of understanding the different adversities that can come up at the beginning of a set, middle, end, etc. Um, and so, you know, there are lots of other types of pressure training, but, um, you know, I want to get your thoughts on, on pressure training, stress inoculation training as a means of building again capacity for tolerance yeah i think it it's of the utmost importance and i I think it's it's something that people don't do enough um you know i I think there tends to be a big difference between what we do in practice and maybe the intensity and the level of stress and pressure that we tend to experience on the practice court with what we experience during matches and i think what what you're bringing up which i can completely agree with is that we want to find ways to bridge that gap. And we want to bridge that gap through training intentionally on the practice court and trying to, in a certain way, simulate what takes place during a match. And and actually, my my dissertation, my my master's dissertation, um, I interviewed a number of Division I um, head and assistant tennis coaches um, about this topic, about you know the topic of sort of building mental toughness and this idea of trying to simulate pressure and, and essentially do pressure training came up as one of the main themes that we want to be able to, you know, find ways to essentially practice under pressure um, because that's what we will experience during matches. And we want to be ready for that. We want to be ready for, you know, maybe that physical tightness that we're likely to experience. We want to be ready for the frustration that we're likely to experience. We want to be ready for our opponent maybe fighting back when we're getting close to to finishing off the match that we're likely to experience during a match. So we want to be able to be ready for all of these things and, and practice all of these things. So instead of just anticipating them as sort of this faraway thing that might happen or could happen at some point, we want to actually practice them. And obviously, it can still feel a little bit different between a match and between sort of simulating a match during practice. But I think that, you know, by trying to, you know, simulate that 
match-like environment, maybe even add some sort of consequence to to the um, you know practice match, um, then it it makes it feel you know a lot closer to what we would actually experience in in a match. And I, I would encourage you know people listening, regardless of level, regardless of situations, to think about how you can do just a little bit more of that. I think it's very easy for people to get comfortable with the type of practice that they end up doing. Some people play more matches, some people play, you know, some people just hit, some people play more points. You know, it's always a mix, but can we try to make it feel a little bit more like a match? And and I think what you'll find is num- number one, maybe you start moving your feet a little bit more. Number two, maybe your focus increases a little bit more. You know, can you, um, by, you know, trying to treat it like it's a match, I think the intensity that you apply to the situation can can absolutely you know increase and i I think you also can sometimes experience certain certain challenges where maybe in a certain way it feels you know it feels harder to play your game because of you know because you're treating it like a match you know i think on the the flip side of things there there could be the argument made that we want to treat matches a little bit maybe more like practice in certain ways and you know, try to take some of the pressure and the stress off. But can we, you know, when we're on the practice court, can we try to, you know, treat it with that seriousness and that intensity that a match requires so that we can, you know, really use that time as well as possible to to help ourselves prepare for it and even simulate the experience. Yeah. And at the same time, we're becoming more comfortable with those difficult moments we're becoming more used to maybe the difficult emotions that could occur. Uh, you know, I think about when I've had to come back from some injuries, Josh, you know, and then I want to play a tournament at some point and I'll be practicing. And I'm the type of player who, you know, I can get a lot of balls in. And then I start playing, you know, some games and I can't get anything in, right? So it clearly shows that, hey, there's something that is different when we're putting, you know, playing for, for a game. And so, you know, as I make my comeback on these different through these different injuries, a lot of practice matches go into that piece so that I can be more comfortable with uh, the consequences of playing a game and playing a set, because just I can see right away that that it 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 changes decision making, it changes my ability to be consistent, my ability to control my body chemistry. All of that needs to be worked on before I can even be close to successful in an actual tournament, and so that's a, a prog, you know, a process of get, becoming more tolerant of those circumstances. And then the more comfortable I become in that environment, it lets me just play my game now. Now I can be consistent and grind and, and do all those things. Where when I first started playing matches. You know, I'm down love 30 on every single service game and I'm making errors early in points, right? So I think it's it's uh, it's a really important part. And I like your idea of like do something different to to challenge yourself in this way. Maybe there are different games that you can play, like there are tug of war games. Um, I think I might have brought up one that USTA player development uses, like a pressure points game where if uh, if it's a pressure point for one player, they if they don't win it, they lose three points in the game. And they go back. Um, so yeah, by adding more consequences to your training, 
you start to become more familiar with these circumstances and your decision making will become better and better. Your self-talk will become better and better. Basically, your tolerance for these, you know, difficult emotions and difficult circumstances improves, right? So, you know, just to kind of recap, Josh, some of the things that we talked about, we talked about resilience as a means of building tolerance, uh, mindfulness, becoming more self-aware of how you think, what you think. Uh, we looked at uh, cognitive reframing, cognitive um, or rational emotive behavior therapy and some imagery around that. We talked self-compassion and then finally uh, pressure training, right? So a lot of different things there for people to build up their tolerance for, for emotions, build up their tolerance for kind of the normal aches and pains that, that players have. Any um, concluding thoughts from you? No, I think I think we've you know covered covered it from from a, a number of different angles, um, and and yeah, I mean I think you know maybe underlining that we we never want somebody to play in you know physical pain to a level where they could make they could be making things worse certainly you know so it's not a matter of like just be tough just keep going just play through the pain regardless. That's certainly not what we're saying and, and certainly not what we what we want. Um, you know, there's definitely times for for anybody, for a professional player, for a amateur player, junior player, you know, where there's a, a significant injury and you know, stopping and retiring from the match or stopping, you know, stop practicing, whatever it is, is the right decision, certainly, because you certainly don't want to make things worse or put yourself at risk. Um, but really what we're saying is, you know, can we build up the skills to to handle, you know, the pain of the normal aches and pains? Um, can we handle the, you know, the the non-physical sorts of situations that might come up? You're not playing so well on a particular day. You facing a challenging opponent. You know, you facing somebody who maybe has beaten you before or a, or a playing style that you haven't liked as much um so you know can we build up our sort of toolkit our tolerance toolkit so that we can have a, give ourselves the best possible chance to handle whatever sorts of situations might come up on that particular day right great well that's our show for today thank you josh and thank you all for listening for more on today's episode please check out the show notes if you have any feedback or questions for the two of us please send us an email at tennisiqpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you are enjoying the content that Josh and I discuss on the show, please rate and review the podcast so other tennis enthusiasts can find it more easily. Additionally, to be notified of new episodes, please subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice, including YouTube. And you can also check us out on Instagram. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Tennis IQ podcast slash membership, where you can learn about the benefits of being part of the Tennis IQ podcast community. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you soon in our next episode.